for 40 years after God had delivered them from slavery in Egypt, the people of Israel wandered in the wilderness. For 40 years, they had been wandering on account of their own stubborn unbelief and coming into sight just beyond the mountains of Edom was the long-awaited land flowing with milk and honey, the land that God had promised to give them. The Edomites, they were the descendants of Esau. They inhabited the mountains that separated the people of Israel from the promised land. And when the Edomites refused to grant the people of Israel passage through their land, the people of Israel were forced to go around and they were forced to approach the promised land from another direction. But yet again, their stubborn unbelief reared its ugly head. They wailed against Moses and they wailed against God. In Numbers 21 verse 4, they cried out, Why have you even brought us out of the land of Egypt? There is no decent food out in this wilderness and we are sick of the manna that is from heaven being our only nourishment. At their faithless complaint, the anger of the Lord was kindled and it was rightly kindled. Time and time and time again, God had demonstrated his faithfulness to protect the people of Israel and to provide for them. He freed them from oppressive slavery in Egypt. He parted the Red Sea before their very eyes so they could escape. He rained down manna and quail from heaven and he brought forth water for them to drink from the rock. He protected them from enemies and he kept their garments and their sandals from wearing thin. Time and time again, God had faithfully proven to the people of Israel he is trustworthy. But again, like so many times before, they wailed against him with distrust with disbelief and even accusation. In response to their exceeding stubbornness, in Numbers 21 verse six, the Lord sent fiery serpents among them. Many of the people of Israel were bit. Many of them died. But the horrific event was crowned with mercy because it prompted them to realize and to confess, we have sinned. We have sinned against the Lord our God and against Moses. And so they pleaded with Moses to cry out to God on their behalf that the penalty of their sin would be removed from them. And Moses did. And God mercifully heard. He listened. God did not owe such a gift of mercy to the habitually unfaithful people of Israel. He would not have been in the wrong to leave them in the consequence of their sin. He did not do that. He mercifully instructed Moses in Numbers 21 verse 8 
craft a fiery serpent out of bronze. That is, make an image of the serpent. Make an image of their punishment and hang it on a pole. Tell my people to look at it, to stare at the symbol of their sin hanging in the air. And when they do, when they look, when they stare, when they recognize their guilt before me, they will be healed. I will heal them. Moses did as God instructed. And when those of the people of Israel who had been bitten by a poisonous serpent, when they looked with remorse upon that representation of their sin hanging from a pole, they were healed. And when those of the people of Israel who would be bitten by a poisonous serpent, when they looked and stared at the consequence of their rebellion hanging in the air, they were healed. Glory be to God. Later, after the people of Israel came into the land of God's promise, Stubborn unbelief would rise up again and again and again. In response to their exceeding stubbornness, instead of sending serpents among them, God sent enemies to overtake them. Through battle and defeat and exile, the people would come to realize again and again And again, we have sinned. We have sinned against the Lord our God. And they would cry out to God for pardon and for rescue, and their cries never fell upon deaf ears. For our God desires to save, and he is strong. His arm is strong to do it. And yet in time, again and again and again, the people of Israel would need rescue and mercy and grace. And in order to sufficiently bear the punishment for sin, I mean really sufficiently, in order to sufficiently bear the punishment for their sin and in order to efficiently heal God's people from sin, another pole was needed. And on it would need to hang a better representative. Not a serpent, a servant, a man. And not just any man, but one who is capable of carrying upon himself all the sins of all God's people from every nation and generation. Now, only God could carry such a burden. Right? And yet, only a man would sufficiently represent sinners. So on this pole would need to hang a God-man, the God-man. Fifteen hundred years after Moses hung the serpent on a pole, 
our heavenly father hung his servant on the pole. Jesus Christ, the son of God and the servant of our suffering was nailed to and lifted up on a cross-shaped pole as it is written in 1 Peter 2, 24, and trusting himself to God the Father, Jesus bore our sins in his body on the tree. And comes full circle this understanding, you see, that we have each been bitten by the fiery serpent of sin. The poison of it is seen in me and in all of us with our every thought and word and attitude and action that disobediently forsakes the purity for which God has made us. Jesus himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, yours and mine. Now let me just reel off some here. Your stubborn unbelief and mine your arrogance and mine, your idolatry and mine, your sexual immorality and mine, your murderous anger and mine, your empty promises and mine, your profanities and mine, your dishonesty your deceit and mine, your gossip and mine, your greediness and mine, your drunkenness and mine, your gluttony and mine, your thievery and mine, your laziness and mine, your anxiety oh, and mine, your resentment and mine, your cold heart and mine. Jesus bore these sins in his body on the tree. And now, not unlike the ancient Israelites, but far grander, when we look at the cross, where Jesus died, when we stare at the cross, when we recognize our guilt at the cross and bow our hearts at the cross, when we confess our sin at the cross and when we die to our sinning at the cross, our heavenly father is faithful to do at infinitely greater depth what he did for the Israelites in the wilderness. He heals us. Tonight, as we partake of the Lord's Supper together in remembrance of Jesus' atoning sacrifice, as we taste the bread of Jesus' body, and the cup of Jesus' blood, may we do so with the eyes of our hearts staring at the cross. At the cross, our Savior tasted what he did not deserve so that we would taste what we do not deserve. 
He tasted of death to its full so that we would taste of life to its full. At Oaks Church, we do our best and we're only ever accountable for doing our best to take of the Lord's Supper in a worthy manner. We insist that this meal is for followers of Christ. Men and women who are capable of self-examination and discernment, men and women who have been cut to the heart by the gospel. Men and women who are imperfectly but relentlessly putting sin to death and striving to walk in the righteousness of God by the power of God's spirit. When it comes to the Lord's Supper, we encourage younger children to wait to partake of it. We pray that our Oaks kids, both here and in the home, would hear and see and be saturated in the truths of the gospel of Christ crucified and resurrected. And we pray that our Oaks kids, that their own faith would blossom into a repentant faithfulness that stands on its own two feet. Before we partake of the Lord's Supper, as a unified fellowship, as a family of saints. I wonder if we would stare at the cross with the eyes of our hearts together. I'm going to read a passage of scripture, Isaiah 53, prophesied 700 years before the Messiah Jesus came to earth. It tells in shocking detail the iniquities that he bore of ours in our place on the cross. I'm going to invite Chris Matthews to come forward. We've never done this. We're, all, we're always up for doing something a little new. She's going to accompany me a little as I read on the piano. And the hope here is not to manipulate emotion. It's that we would be soothed. The eyes of our hearts would be opened to ponder the cross, to stare at the cross. As I read, let's stare at the cross of our healing with the eyes of our hearts. And when I am finished, I would invite the servers of our communion elements to come forward. And at that point, when I'm done reading, Ed's going to come back up and they're going to sing for us. And we can all, when we're ready, believers in this room, we can all come and participate of this meal together. Isaiah 53. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised, rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with deepest grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. 
Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him as stricken and smitten by God and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way and the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And for his generation who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people, and they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. And yet, it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offering he shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the many and he shall divide the spoil with the strong because he poured out his soul to death and he was numbered with the transgressors yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors this is the word of the Lord be to God.